Welcome back to Autumn Waves and you are listening to Love Potions by Christina Jones and this is chapter 16 Jocelyn Marvin's voice rang irritably over the drone of model Menias his latest morning must view television program. Have you seen the Winterbrook advertiser? In the kitchen where she was chewing the end of her pen and wondering if RSA touch typing stage 1, 2 and 3 and first class Peatman's shorthand counted as suitable qualifications for checkout work. Josh frowned and slid the half-completed Big Shower application form under a tea towel. Josh Lynn. She had taken the newspaper through and put them beside Marvin's chair an hour or so ago when they had first arrived. Of course, she knew they were on his list of things we can do without, among with her car and her monthly allowance and her hair appointments and a million other things which didn't impinge one item on his comfort. But somehow she could not bring herself to make that final cancellation. How else would she have any sort of contact with the outside world? It's by the chair, Marvin, with other papers. I know where it is. I asked you if you have seen it. This is it, George thought. He has flipped. The last couple of weeks have finally taken their toll. He has lost his grip on reality. He has joined all those other sad and diluted people with too much time on their hand without whom the daytime television schedule would be perfect. People who not only watched the brain-numbing stuff, but also featured in Marvin's now favorite all-day viewing. People who spend their lives worrying about the crop cycles or alien invasion or having transgender realignments or their neighbors building nuclear warheads in the spare bedroom. Making sure her application form was well hidden, Josh walked wearily towards the living room. Marvin hunched, as always, his hand bunched into fist on his knees. Slightly leaning forward, the ever-flickering screen. He didn't look up the program. As far as Josh could tell from the constantly repeated updates for those viewers with less attention span than a gnant, seemed to involve a Russell, an ex-policeman who had spent five years painstakingly building an extremely large-scale model of Natila's submarine from egg box and march stick in his garden shed and then discovered he couldn't do get it out through the door. A crane and three fat people 
and fluorescent jacket were currently removing the shade's rooftop as a presenter kept by bouncingly unintelligent cemetery. Russell supervised nervously and a grey-faced woman, presumably Russell's wife, stood looking wobegone in the background. Marvin was reverted. There. Josh said, as much false gaiety as the telepresenter. There is the Winterbrook advertiser by your chair. I know where it is, Marvin growled, still watching Russell's discomfiture with some sort of grim satisfaction. I wanted you to know if you had read it. Oh, right. No, Josh shook her head. No time yet. What with breakfast and washing and everything. I was going to glance at it over a cup of coffee later. Marvin lost his interest in Russell and his submarine for a moment and looked at her. Her eyes were cold. You are in it. Am I? What on earth have I done to be... Oh, you mean the article about the aromatherapy and the can-can dancing? Of course. I got your name on it. It's utter buggering bulk. Marvin continued to stare at her. We will be even more of a laughing stock than we already are. What gave you the buggering idea that you could ride for a local rag? Those ridiculous beats you slipped into the bugle when you thought I didn't know were bad enough. At least they were not under your own name. Are you mad, woman? Probably, Josh thought, recoiling from the verbal onslaught, which hurt far more than any physical abuse. Mad to have married to you. Mad to have stayed. Mad to still be here. Probably Josh thought, recoiling from the verbal onslaught, which hurt far more than anything. I didn't suppose anyone will actually look at my name, she said defensively. I never take any notice of who is written that, do you? She picked up the paper. And anyway, it cannot be that bad, otherwise they wouldn't have printed it. They will print any old rubbish to fill up the space in that two-bit tat. Marvin resumed gulping at Russell and his problem. Especially if they get it for free. Why you are not doing anything? I want more coffee. Ah, oh, go get it yourself, Josh muttered. I'm far too busy. She walked into the kitchen, holding her breath and waiting for the explosion. She didn't have to wait long. Jocelyn, I said. I know what you said. 
she marched back into the living room and stared at Marvin. And I said, I was too busy, which actually is a lie. I'm only going through the motions of the housework, but you're doing absolutely nothing. And don't. She held up her hands. Don't start telling me yet again that I didn't understand how you feel or how you're suffering. Of course you don't understand, Marvin said coldly. How could you possibly understand what this has done to me? You have no comprehension of my situation. You are not only unemployable, but you have also kept a woman for years. You have never had any standing or importance in the greater scheme of things. Whereas I, who had it all, have lost everything. And how do you know? What does it feel like? And to be exact, with one stroke I have lost not only my self-respect but my very reason for living. And has there been one word of sympathy from you? One word? No, not even one. Biting back her tears and the bitter words which so often almost but never quit escaped. Josh swallowed. That's unfair, Marvin. I have been sympathetic. I have tried to talk to you to suggest thing. This happens. This happened to lots of people. They don't simply wallow. They are shocked, of course. And they reel a bit. Then they shake themselves down and get on with the rest of their life. What life do I have left, eh? Answer me that. Probably another 30 or 40 years. At least half of which could be spent working. Josh tried to keep her voice steady. You really ought to find another job. There are plenty of opportunities out there for someone like you. But they won't come to you. You have to go and look them for yourself. And you are the expert in employment matter, are you? Actually, Josh said, glancing at the television screen and willing. Russell's wife to run at her stupid husband with the machete in a gesture of solidarity. No, I'm not. But I intend to. If you won't get another job, then I am going to. I'm going out to work, Marvin. He laughed. 
a lot without humor and who in the god's name do you think will employ you someone who had the minimum qualifications 30 years ago who has not been employed outside the home since the world has moved on jocelyn while you have been living in your ivory tower being exploited rotten you won't ever find a job no one in their right mind would want you digging her nails into her palm josh managed not to explode until she had reached the sanctuary of the kitchen and then through a blur of anger and imported tears she slammed the door kicked the cupboards and hurled knife into the sink feeling slightly better she poured herself a cup of coffee hoping marvin would smell it and recognize the defense and then she spread the winterbrook advertiser across the table and her hands still shaking slightly flicked through it until she reached her article it looked really good a whole page with a couple of library photographs one of the can canners performing energetically at a local christmas show and a second of suki with jennifer blessing on the day of beauty's blessings had opened in hazy hazings and with her own name printed boldly under the rather cringe-worthy but typically special title can can girls sweet smell of success josh skimmed through it reading her own words and gradually feeling inordinated proud of herself The Winterbrook Advertiser's editor seemed to have left her original article pretty much as it was. There did not seem to be too many embellishments and a very few addition corrections or errors. Suki should be really pleased with the coverage of her aromatherapy business. and there surely would be several applications for the vacant cancan post as well josh glanced through the kitchen window and it was a shame that valerie had already left for the work she had have loved to share the moment with many triumph as she get to know with someone she struck her head real quick it wouldn't do to dwell on the fact that she actually had no one else to share the news with no one who cared and still staying positive she have had something published her name was in the print she had achieved something hadn't she all on her own she 
sipped the coffee and relished the thought, trying hard not to let Marvin's sneering reaction take root in her brain and her heart. No. Damn Marvin to hell. He was not the only one with a life to live. He was probably madly jealous that she had written something worth publishing. It was more than he ever had. Huh. That was it. He was jealous. Unwittingly. She had made Marvin jealous. It was a soul-stirring moment. And this was just the start. The world was her oyster. And the sky was the limit. And every other cliché she could think of. Built up by the small success because she at this moment loathed Marvin more than she could ever remember. She removed the big shovel application form from beneath the tea towel and pondered the possibilities of fictionally twinking her entire entries in the previous experience section. She had just reached the bit about what I hope the company can do for me when the phone rang. And rang as Marvin would probably sulk for the rest of the day and was no doubt far too involved with Russell and his almost ruthless shade to answer it. She pushed the application form under the table, padded into the hole and Hello. Yes. This is Jocelyn Benson. Sorry. Who? Josh frowned. The name was familiar. Oh. Yes. The editor of the Winterbrook Advertiser. Oh, hello. Yes, I have seen it. Lovely. Yes, thank you. What? Yes, even without payment. Sorry, for me? Are you sure? Oh, right. Yes. Oh, no. No, I will. I will come into Winterbrook and sort it out. Yes, I'm sure it is not a problem. Yes, thank you for letting me know. She replaced the receiver with a smile. Who was it? Marvin barked from the living room above something that sounded like feral screams amounting from Russell as the crane dropped the shed roof on his submarine. Some captain of industry offering you a six-figure salary? Just someone selling double glazing, Josh said. 
kicking off her slippers, developing into the coats of cop boots for her shoes, and I'm going out. Don't take the car. Sorry, I have to. I'm going to Winterbrooks. Catch the bus. No. She juggled the car keys. I have just missed one, and there won't be another one for three hours. You will have to wait then, won't you? Why are you going into Winterbrooks? Marvin yelled. Jocelyn, I have said why. Josh slammed the front door and raising her face to glorious April sun, practically skipped towards the car. How does that feel? Suki stood back as Ellen, her Winterbrook appointment, gingerly slid her frail legs to the floor. Better? Superb. Ellen stood upright and took a few steps. Cheers, Suki. That is miraculous, as always. Carry on like this and I will be running a marathon next year. Suki grinned. Ellen was in her late thirties and had been diagnosed with MS a couple of years before. She <clears throat> saw that she was sure that Suki's weekly massages and a fair amount of cannabis work far better than better blockers and steroids under the sun. <clears throat> While she had been massaging Ellen, there had been gossips about Suki's splash in Winterbrook Advertiser and Suki had told her all about having to replace the synthetic essence and why the love potion thing and the rumors that her clients had been reporting rejuvenated lost lives fancying mostly the wrong people ever since. Ellen had laughed a lot, said she was okay in that department. Thanks. Her bloke, a rock since her diagnosis, still had the hearts for her big time. And they had no need for any outside help from Suki's portion. I'm using the ginger and the sweet nettle on you anyways, Suki said, working with oils deeply into Ellen's disappearing muscles. You have always had that one. It's just, this is the homemade version. Did your aunt Cora had a poem for it? Um. Yes, let me think. Nettle sweet and ginger hot can reach a lover's lonely spot. Pain they will quench with natural fire and the light that way to true desire. Wow! Ellen pulled on her jogging pants. Maybe I had better ring my bloke right now after all. He would be 
right and dodged off to have wasted that. They laughed together and Suki declined the offer of shared sleep to celebrate and said she would see Ellen again same time same place next week. She packed her cases into the boot of a car and drove away from the crescent Victorian terraced house towards the Winterbrook town's center. She had no more appointments till the afternoon and wondered Italy if it has worth ringing it. Chelsea and meeting her for lunch in Hazy Hasics. The fairy glen did great bar snack and Patsy's pantry literally oozed cream cakes and sticky buns. On the other hand, if she was in Hasek's, it would be Sod's law for Jennifer's to spot her, as she really didn't want to get roped into working for a couple of hours in Beauty's blessings while hearing about the further shortcoming of Kylie's. Maybe it was not such a good idea. Mind you that Jennifer would be delighted with Beauty's Blessings name check and the Winterbrook advertiser. Jenny loved something for nothing, especially publicity. Josh Benson had done a great job. Even the photographs were okay and that Considering the varying age and shapes and sizes of cancaners was nothing sort of miraculous. Suzuki pondered at the first set of traffic light to lunch in Hasek's with Chelsea or not, probably not, she decided. Moving slowly through the congested market town main road not only did she not want to be concerned by jennifer but there was also the drawback of fencing dairy thing with chelsea chelsea's text on the subject had been more than enough face to face she go on and on and on about it. As a best friend had a right to do it really, Suki thought. If who was on other foot, she knew she had just as dodged. So, no to Hazy Hasics on both counts then. She would go home for lunch and tidy up after the card school and prepare this afternoon's climbs. At Pixie's laughter and possibly pick some more flowers from the garden to replenish her stocks. She had noticed Celandines and periwinkles growing in one border and maybe arranged to meet Chelsea in Birmingham tonight. Goodness, the traffic is awful. Noise to tell, crawling along. Suki rolled down the window 
allowing the warm air to blow into the car. The sun was really strong and it was not yet yes Easter. Hopefully it would be another scorching summer like last year. She inched into the right-hand lane alongside Winterbrook's Municipal Park, where the flowering cherry trees frothed pastel pink and white. Like giant sticks in, flaw, in candy floss against the eggshell blue of the sky. It was really turning into be a gorgeous spring. Ah, oh, it. Suki thought for a second later, uh, albeit like a rivalry squashed flat by the sheer volume of the traffic and bad-tempered drivers. There now seemed to be a massive traffic jam right into the town center. She would be here forever. The divergent through the treading estate would surely be less congested than this. If she could just squeeze into other lanes and indicating left, she infuriated an entire line of traffic by changing lanes and heading away from the town. Winterbrook Trading Estate had grown like a small dormitory town over the years. From its early beginning in the Tetrariot 80s, when a few brave entrepreneurial souls risked renting the half-dozen port beans to the current flourishing village of industry as the signboards proclaimed much as the trading estate hated it. The mess of the narrow roads had turned into a bit of a rat run for those locals anxious to escape Winterbrook and head for neighboring hamlets. Siki, singing along with the radio, turned the sharp bend and observing the walking pace sped speed up limit drove slowly through the treading estate main gates. There were massive and masses of different business here, and all doing very nicely if their brightly colored exterior and full car parks were anything to go by. Even the Winterbrook advertiser had moved from its high street premises to the new field to single-store building, slowly even more to take the bend by the newspaper's car park, Suki came to a rapid halt. A vibrant green van with day-glow pink lettering was practically blocking the road ahead of her. A girl with long blonde hair and very short black skirt and a tiny, shock-headed man were attempting to take, change the tire. Suki sighed. So much for her shortcut. She leaned forward the window. Do you need a hand? Is there anything I can do? Oh, Amber and Jane? I didn't realize. Hang on, what happened? 
Suki pulled her car on the verge and scrambled out. Jame, the young old bird boned and pixie faced, was squatting beside Amber and fixed Suki with a challenging stare. Suki, aware that the previous year when she would had her mini fling with Louis Flanagan, that Jane, who had adored Amber from the very start, had been less than friendlier towards her, smiled at him. Hi, Jem. Great to see you again. What is going on in here? In his trademark sign language, with extremely mobile face expression, Jim explained about the burst tire and the need to change the wheel. Blimey. Suki shook her head. That's a bummer. Jim's eye danced wickedly and he gave her a double thumbs up. Phew. Suki thought, I think I have been forgiven. Sorry if I'm in your way, Amber. Dexterously removing the Hubble Bubble van's ragged tire pulled a face. Bloody thing. It went with an almighty bang. Scared me to death, mind you. Jane loved it. Jane grinned and nodded. Are you both okay? Suki asked. Have you got a spare? Can I ring anyone? We are both fine, thanks. Amber straightened up. And I can handle this easily enough. I have surprised myself with the stuff I can do since I have lived in fiddlesticks. I have learned all sort of skills, so yes. I can change a will and she chuckled. I can even milk a goat. Suki frowned. Uh, can you? Why would you need to? Gwyneth and Big Edith's latest rescue mission, goats, allegedly destined for the curry market. Amber pulled a face. Now all the named after the character in the Coronation Street and living in luxury on Fiddlesticks Village, green and providing everyone with milk and cheese. Ah, sweet. I'm so glad they're all right. I do love a happy ending, but are you sure you're all right here? You don't want a hand. Well, actually, Amber whipped her hand down her skirt. There is something you could do for me. If you are not in a, you know, cheering hurry, that is, anything. I'm only going home. I have not got any appointment until later this afternoon. What do you need? Amber, aided by James, gave the wheel another yank. It cluttered on the road. I'm on my way to do the kitties party at the trading estate crutch. Got all the food in the bag. As Mitzi is tied off with a funeral wake with the motions and Louise is driving Fern and Timmy to the airport for their island wedding party. And James made a rapid wind-up movements with his hand and pulled a face at Amber. Yeah, okay. 
cutting to the chase if you could just drop James off at work for me while I fix this he hate being late for his shift and of course Suki said giving James a very good look as long as it is okay with Jim Jim winked and nodded oh great Amber straightened up and lifted the spare wheel from the back of the van. You're a lifesaver. I'll pick him up later, of course, but... Where do you have to go again? Suki asked Jim. Is it far? Jim shook his head, gave a few extravagant gestures and uh, then jerked his head. Further into the depths of the treading estate, Amber laughed and looked at Suki. Her eyes glint. Surely you have not forgotten. James does his work placement a couple of bucks blocks away at Winterbrook Joinery. And that's it for today's chapter. I'm so sorry if something messed up in this episode, but I will tell you something, okay? The thing is, today I was making myself a malt drink, alright? Because I was... I was sick for for a few days. I could not drink any cold or iced drink, especially with coffee or caffeine in it, not even tea. So I was making myself a malt drink just for an experiment. I did something. I took the malt potion. I added some hazelnut flavored coffee, a little bit, just a little bit, with some salt and sugar. But I actually added a very tiny amount of sugar because I didn't want it to be sweet. And I mixed it up with some warm milk. But it turned out to be salty and bitter. It's not like I am not able to taste the sugar or the malt. The thing is, I was unaware that the hazelnut flavored coffee will be bitter than the coffee itself. And I realized it later when I drank it that there should be double the amount of sugar to lessen the bitterness and remind you that I did not sugar later on I have to drink it all as it is because if I went to the kitchen once again and did some work I'm sure my mother will tell me what are you doing didn't you just made yourself a drink did you mess it up and if she knew that I messed it up, she will surely throw a feet at me. Trust me, I didn't want any trouble to begin with, so I drank it, just as it is. Yes, I learned a lesson that I will never do it once again to taste. Oh, I don't want to test it. No, it's... <laughs> that was the worst drink ever I made. But the entire zest of this subject is sometimes there is some specific reason that we cannot do something or we cannot have something immediately because of the reason. So we opt for 
some experimental stuff and not every single time the experiment goes well but at the end we get to learn something either we discover a surprise recipe for a great stuff or we learn that we will never do the stuff like that we did today again which means either way it will be great for you because you learned something and you can make improvements as you go ahead so as per my drink I would say I would not try second time to make it yes I regret myself for doing that and sometimes it is alright to have some simple stuff for your health as well so trust me when you are sick do not go for any kind of experiment rather just go for something simple and healthy trust me on this one it would not be wrong <laughs> anyways so today I will end the episode here and I will meet you guys in the next episode. Till then, I'm grateful that you are here with me right now. And trust me, as I always say, you're important. You're important to this world. You're important more than you realize and you are valuable and you are lovable as always and evermore. So please be happy that you are alive and well and take care of yourself in the meantime just as I said in the previous episode don't get yourself sick in the weather I want you to enjoy it the fullest and with this I will end this episode good night I love you